Milwaukee. Start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, trucks, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki, Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Now, it's Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Here's Steve Zaki. Hey, welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. And joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is David Land from uh, his YouTube channel, David Land, L-A-N-D. David, uh, once again, thank you for joining the Final Inspe- Inspection Show. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm just disappointed that I came onto a show where we don't have very much news to cover. Uh, <laughs> such a disappointment. <laughs> yeah, we had we had Dennis Michelson on before earlier in the hour, and uh, we were talking a bit about Harvick, but uh, I wanted to kind of touch base with you on the Harvick penalty, maybe get a different perspective. So I'm kind of interested to, to hear what was your opinion on that. Was the, was the penalty too harsh? Uh, do you think maybe they looked a little bit too hard at the car at the R&D center? What's your take on it? Uh, well, I think I think you have to look at the tail of the tape, and uh, especially in the last stint of the race when Harvick was behind Ryan Blaney, uh, those two cars, theoretically very similar. They both were powered by the Roush Yates engine like all the Ford cars are, uh, but it was very clear that Harvick had some sort of advantage in the corners, particularly one and two, where he was able to get around Ryan Blaney by just being able to to cut the corner a little bit tighter. You know, he could hold that line. So it was obvious that they had some sort of an advantage. So then you come to the inspection post-race where they take it to the R&D center and they discovered that the rear rear spoiler's off by a few millimeters and they determined that that was out of regulations and it it determined the penalty. It's hard for me to say because it's tough because NASCAR is so open with their rules and the amount of development they allow, but at the same time, they're so tightly controlled at the same time. And if you step out of those boundaries, it seems like the penalties are almost incredibly draconian, but at the same time, Harvick still keeps his win, but he doesn't keep any of the benefits of the win. It's, 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 it's such a weird system. I, I don't know. It, it, it's a hard one to pin down really. Yeah, I got I got to think that there's a way that they can sit there and test this stuff at the track so we're not waiting 3 days after the race to sit there and find out if the guy who won actually wins. You know what I mean? Yes, he gets credit for the win, but they you know, dock him 40 points so he goes from being locked into Miami to now only being 3 points to the good. It uh, you know, like you said draconian, but if you you know, you can't figure out a way to figure it out at the track. And then I have a problem with them taking the top three back to R&D to sit there and totally dismantle these cars, put them back together, just searching, searching for anything that's illegal. It just seems totally overboard to me. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. And what's crazy about this whole thing, the way I understand it, the car passed pre-race tech inspection with flying colors. There was yep. no problem there. But but the actual penalty or what the modification was done on the grid before the race. So uh, I guess the, uh, looking at the situ- this particular situation, maybe you impound the cars after you tech them in the morning and you don't let the teams touch them. 
or, or at least well, don't let them touch them without a NASCAR official staring at them the whole time. My my, my feeling is if, if that's the case, if they actually were doing modifications on pit road, I mean, that's like almost like a, okay, we know we're cheating. It's not an oversight. It, we're actually doing it. It's like, you know, it's not first degree murder, but I mean, it's murder with intent. It's cheating with intent. Then you should have to have the win taken away from him, in my opinion. Yeah, but there's cameras all up and down pit well, road before why the race. It's it's you know I I just wonder about that. I mean, is it if you know? Well, th- this goes back to the old rule where uh, Big Bill France he 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 didn't like disqualifying cars later. You know, if there's a problem, we do it right away because he didn't want you know Joe Sixpack. Uh, or J- Joe Lunchpail, whatever you want to call him, the next morning read the paper and found that, you know, Joe Blow was disqualified and, and, and you know, Tiny Lund won the race instead or somebody and it's, instead of the guy he saw. You know, he, he, wants to, he wants the fan, when they leave the track, to know that's the winner of the race. Yeah, I'm, I'm with David. I think, you know, once you pass morning tech, that's it. Impound the cars. You can't touch them. And, you know, God knows they've got enough NASCAR officials all over that grid. Well, that's the other thing, too. Yeah, you see, I, I call them astronauts. There's 800 look, of them they, out they there. They look ridiculous, but that's just me. Anyways, and and, and, and and they also get bigger as they get promoted up the uh, chain, too. I, I did notice that. You notice how the truck officials are a lot thinner than the— Oh, yeah. Okay, anyways, besides— All right, I'm getting away from the point here. But anyways, yeah, there's you see them all over the place, you know, and I, it's just— It's crazy. It, 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 and what Dennis brought out, and that we've been saying on this show for a couple of years, the, you know, the fans need to talk about the racing, not who's cheating or what rules were broken in, in, in that. Or the same thing with the pit road violations. Well, and sometimes you don't even have to cheat to get nailed. Uh, David, real quick, because uh, we touched on it with Dennis, you want to give your thoughts on the fact that NASCAR doesn't know how to count to three? Oh my God! I couldn't believe I I couldn't believe that 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 was one of the things that just how, how do you how do you how is that over, an oversight you know <laughs> like oh my and you did it to one of your biggest stars it wasn't like you just did it to the guy in the back of the field ah who cares anyway he wasn't going to be competitive you did it to Jimmy Johnson so I mean it, it, uh, it's it, it if that doesn't tell you the state of NASCAR officiating. Uh, and the fact that something needs to change, I don't know what uh, what would. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, well, I, I, I guess I, I, there's nothing more to be said with that. I guess it, it's it's just it's just ridiculous. But you know, you 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 did bring up. A, I did like that point you brought up earlier about Harvick. You know, coming up and making the the late pass. You know, he was the only one that had no problem passing, and you wonder if the officials. You know, upstairs were like looking at each other, like they gave themselves the, you know, the stink eye. Like, hmm, he's the only guy that can pass like that. Let's go take a look at that car. There's got to be something going on. You wonder, you know, maybe he should have struggled a little, a bit more <laughs> when he passed him. You know, but he passed when uh, he absolutely dominated the field at yeah. Atlanta. Yeah. So you know, he he smokes the field every single year at Atlanta, and that's never a problem. But uh, but it's a problem now. So uh, wasn't wasn't Atlanta the place where the that Reddit discovered that the the window the rear window was caving in on his car? Yeah, that's where it was reported. That. Yeah, no, I thought that was that was later. I think Atlanta he was clear on. Uh, 
because I know that after Harvick's window got, you know, got dinged, I want to say Larson got nailed a couple weeks later. Um, I'm looking it up now to find out, and I don't know how to spell penalty. <laughs> uh, Steve, ask a question. <laughs> uh, well, well, while we're while we're looking that up, uh, let's let's talk about David's uh, YouTube channel. What's the latest on your YouTube channel? Well, I just did a video uh, detailing. Now, obviously, it's a long way away, but I, I really felt like it was necessary to talk about the fact that we're going to have a pretty good bump day, it looks like, next year for the Indianapolis 500. Uh, I said, uh, you know, we're, we're close to, I think, I think there's 38 solid entries uh, that look like they're going to be lining up uh, to qualify come May. And uh, so I did a video detailing that and kind of speculating on who might fill the open seats. It, it's exciting times in terms of uh, thinking about the Indy 500. And, of course, Tony Stewart has been uh, running his mouth quite a bit about mm-hmm. a potential Indy 500 run. He so ain't who knows what happen there. He ain't running, I'll tell you right now. I would <laughs> love to see it. Oh, it ain't going to happen. He can't even fit in one for now, for God's sakes. Oh, he's not that fat. Uh, and it was it was Vegas where Harvey got nailed with that window okay, penalty. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah but, yeah, bump right. day, that's going to be fantastic. That's always one of my favorite days. You know, there is so much on the line. The pressure is all over those guys. I love it. Well, I tell you what, let's take a let's take a break, and uh, when we come back, we'll talk more with, with David Land on the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragaway along with... David Hobbs Honda joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. It is David Land. Make sure to check out his YouTube channel, David Land. That's David and then L E N D. David, once again, thanks for uh, joining the show. And uh, one more uh, quick uh, NASCAR hit. We're going to talk about Martin Truex uh, going to the 19. And I know you, were, you you spoke about this a couple weeks ago. Uh, you did a silly season uh, uh, NASCAR. Uh, episode on YouTube and it just made sense even back then that he would end up in the 19 didn't you yeah it, it well, I mean it's no secret that you could consider the 78 car a fifth Gibbs car uh it, it, I think the pit crews from Joe Gibbs racing certainly they get a lot of R&D and technical support from them and I think it's been a bit of a uh, a stick in Joe Gibbs craw that uh yeah, furniture row in a lot of ways has outperformed them in the last couple of years so it made a whole lot of sense to see not only Martin Truex go over to the 19 team, taking over from Daniel Suarez, but also for Cole Pern to follow him over there. That combination has been so potent, uh, as we've seen in the last couple of years, that I think that's a, I mean, that's a super team it gives now. You really don't have a weak link there anymore. Uh, that's a good so point, it, yeah. It, Excellent point. Yeah, one quick follow-up with that. Do you think, like I do, that Gibbs – you know, this this was completely calculated, and Gibbs priced out Furniture Row so that he could take away Truex and Pern. Oh yeah, I think I think that's more or less confirmed. I, I mean, obviously Barney hasn't started talking about that necessarily, but if you read between the lines, I think that's 
that's obvious what happened. I mean, you you can't always outdo the factory team without the factory going, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> yep, <laughs> you know? exactly, exactly. And uh, staying in the silly season genre or topic, I guess, uh, switching over to IndyCars, uh, Marcus Erickson coming over to the IndyCar series. That's uh, kind of a cool deal, isn't it? Yeah, we. Well, I think I even said in the video I, I had uh, covering it, uh, well, we didn't get Fernando Alonso, but I guess we'll take <laughs> Marcus Erickson. Uh, yeah, Marcus Erickson is kind of one of those drivers that has kind of been under the radar. I think a lot of people have either written him off or at least underrated him because of the equipment he's been in in Formula One. If you look at the list of teams he's been with, it's Caterham, the Sauber racing team, and now the, the kind of more heavily funded Sauber Alfa Romeo team. And none of those you could particularly say are uh, front-running cars, certainly. And up until this year, he really hasn't been in a car that's capable of scoring regular points in Formula One. So a lot of people are fairly high on Marcus Erickson, who are you know kind of well-versed in Formula One. And like a lot of former F1 drivers that you see come over into the States, where, our, of course, our rules are much more... Uh, closed down. There isn't as much development on the cars, and the performance gap is much tighter, especially considering that Marcus Erickson is jumping into the car that Robert Wickens was competing regularly each week in and week out for race wins in. Uh, that is great equipment. I think he's really going to enjoy his time here, and I think he's going to thrive. I mean, look at uh, a contemporary, I guess you could say, is Max Chilton. And mm -hmm. Max Chilton has certainly been one of those drivers. Didn't impress a whole lot in F1. Uh, but has found a nice place to uh, to race in IndyCar. And you teased it uh, in the last segment, but uh, 40 cars at the uh, Indy 500 next year, do you think that's uh, – I, I guess the what's been putting the brakes on it is the engine manufacturers. So is Toyota yeah. and Chevrolet actually going to unscrew the, uh, the, the drain, so to speak, or the spigot and uh, – let some more engines out there? Well, the way I understand it is if you get your engine order, I think it's by February. If you order your month of May engine by then, it doesn't really matter how many engines uh, are out there. Uh, the Chevy and Honda can make that happen uh, it, as long as the check clears. You know, as long as you've got the money and you've got the capability to, you know, have all that uh, have Chevy and Honda prepare that infrastructure for the month of May, it can happen. 40 cars, uh, the way I look at it, is going to be very difficult because it's going to require every possibility uh, that's out there right now to come to fruition. I think the realistic number is probably 36. I, I would be ecstatic if there's 38, like I uh, made, kind of made the prediction of in the video. I think 38, I think we'd be real, real happy if we saw that many cars for the 500. And, uh, but I do think there's going to be more cars than there were last year simply because there's more funded drivers or more drivers with money this year than there were last year. The teams are better off. Uh, I think, honestly, one thing that we're not really talking about in the growth of IndyCar, which I think is a major point, is the fact that the new NBC TV deal has really helped the teams uh, sell sponsorship because you don't have that kind of stagnation that IndyCar Racing had with with NBC or uh, with ABC, uh, you have a, a new broadcasting partner who seems to be, uh, be very interested in taking a, an active role in growing the sport. And I think uh, for the sponsors and for the partners 
in IndyCar, that's a positive, and that means they're willing to invest, and that's why we're seeing kind of this increase in the car count. Yeah, I agree that uh, the move to NBC is going to be huge for IndyCar, but do you think that a lot of their races are going to be buried on the NBC Sports Channel, kind of like how a lot of the NASCAR races are, which will probably lead to, you know, less than stellar ratings? Late in the season, yes. Uh, I'm kind of expecting it to be a little bit like it was with ABC, where you see a lot of the early season races on the big NBC when NBC doesn't really have any major properties to broadcast. Once you start getting into the golf season, once you get later in the season and football starting to rev up, I think you're going to see more of those races end, end up on NBCSN. I would hope that they are using their network races wisely and putting some of the major events like obviously Long Beach or uh, the season finale at Laguna Seca on network TV. But we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, we saw how they bungled the uh, the season finale this year. So we'll just have to wait and see, I guess. Now, you cover basically NASCAR, IndyCar, F1, everything like a blanket. What's your favorite series to, to cover and or to watch? Uh, well, I think it would be IndyCar. I really do think it would be IndyCar. I mean, I grew up, uh, you know, 25 miles from the Speedway. Uh, that's always been a very soft spot in my heart. My dad worked for the IRL in the early days. That's always, I mean, I don't think anything will ever replace IndyCar racing in my heart. But I'll tell you what, uh, as a spectator, uh, there, there, there are a few things that are better than endurance sports car racing. Uh, just the it's almost old school when you go to a, a like Petit Le Mans or uh, the Six Hours of Watkins Glen, and you you have all the variety of machinery, the different noises, the different shapes, the different sounds, uh, the international flavor. Uh, that's really spectacular stuff. I, I really I really haven't begun to become a huge fan of uh, sports car racing in the last ten years because it's been so fun to, to kind of experience that because American racing has kind of lost that, unfortunately, particularly the IndyCar side, you know, you don't have the variety that you used to have over there, at least on the technical side. Speaking with uh, David Land, uh, make sure to check out his uh, YouTube channel, David Land, L-A-N-D on YouTube on the great Midwest bank hotline here. And uh, one, one uh, thing that I think it's cool about your channel is it's, it's not just a talking head channel, but you actually talk about uh, not it's not just an opinion channel, but you got some cool reviews that you do videos, uh, uh, video reviews, video games, uh, all sorts of stuff. But the uh, this one kind of caught my attention. I think it's your last one you you did. It's the uh, 2018 podium diecast set from the Indy 500, and uh, I'm a bit of a diecast collector, obviously because I'm an older guy. I like the old stuff. Uh, I just picked up. Uh, uh, the latest replicas. I got the 74, 1974 AJ Foy pole car, the Coyote. But, uh, uh, and I've seen, if you look at David's videos, he's got a bunch of die casts usually in the background. Uh, but tell us about this uh, die cast set from 2018. Uh, so it's something that the uh, exclusive manufacturer of the modern IndyCar stuff, Greenlight, has started doing in the last couple of years where they take the top three finishers in the Indy 500 and they produce a little three-car uh, 164 scale set uh, with each of the cars in their accurate race day livery. Uh, those things are a lot of fun to me because as a kid, I played with uh, the old 
micro machines. Uh, if anyone remembers, the oh micro machines, yeah, I forgot a, about those. Yeah, they had a thirty-three car set of the ninety-six Indy five hundred, uh, and I used to play with that so much. But what was cool about that set was all the cars were displayed on a kind of faux starting grid. So for me, a set like the one that Greenlight has put out with the podium finishers on a faux. Uh, yard of bricks uh, front straightaway set really is a very nostalgic thing for me and it's always a lot of fun uh, uh, particularly for me with the model cars the die cast and stuff I'm a stickler for details so it's it's really cool when you have a, a, a set that claims to be uh, the top three finishers of the Indy 500 every detail of those cars has to be right and at least for that set more or less they are that's awesome. See, I am not a stickler for details. I was walking through my house, true story, <laughs> a week ago, and I pointed my wife and I said, when did you hang that picture up? And she goes, it's been up for eight years. I've never <laughs> seen it before in my life. So, Oh, no. Yeah. What's, your, what's your favorite die cast that's, oh, that, that, that you have in your collection? Oh, uh, it, it would have to be the uh, 118 uh, Mini Champs Buddy Lazier Indy 500 winner. Uh, that car regularly goes for something like $300 mint in the box on eBay. I got it for like 25 bucks out of the box. I was I was so happy cuz Buddy Lazier was, you know, he uh, if people don't know, he's he's been my favorite driver again. I kind of grew up in that IRL era. I had all the stuff from like the 96 500. I used to watch that highlight reel tape of that race on on repeat. And uh, it was so cool to get that. And it's a really actually a pretty decent model for 96. So it, it's fantastic. And, and if you notice in my videos, it's, it's front and center directly behind me because it's really a prized possession of mine. That's pretty cool. Um, let's see. For me, uh, it would have to be the carousel cars. Um, oh, those things are beautiful, aren't they? Yeah, uh, I think it's the Lotus. I think the Joe Leonard uh, Lotus, uh, the turbine, and the oh, replicas came out with that '67 turbine. That's pretty cool too. I I have an affinity to uh, STP cars, though. So, well, I don't blame you. They're beautiful. I wish they'd do Gordy's car, the '82 one. I can't believe nobody's they, done that yet. Uh, that's right. Well, yeah, they've kind of, they cheated and they did the 84 car because it's an 84 March and they did that mold. So you could do a bunch of 84 marches, but that's the closest you can get to that. That's because it's a wildcat and there's not too many you can do. You could do, of course, Gordy's car, but you could do a Mario car too. But yeah, I just, the, <laughs> the real 81 winner, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I know a fellow that owns, he owns all three of them. He owns, uh, the eighty, well, the eighty-one car, the eighty-one winner of Bobby Unzer, the eighty, uh, second place, the eighty-one, the Wildcat, uh, Mario Andretti, and then even the third place, the McLaren of Vern Schupen. So, <laughs> some people would consider Vern Schupen the real winner of the uh, eighty-one Indy five hundred. There you Maybe go, man after my heart. Winner. Yep, very underrated <laughs> driver too, and a heck of a nice guy. David, as always, we thank you for being on the show and. Uh, Hopefully, we got two more shows we're doing this year, and hopefully, uh, we'll have you on, if not next week, our our finale for uh, after Homestead. I would love to. I mean, any any show you get to talk about Vern Schupan, I mean, it's a pretty good <laughs> show, right? I have to agree with you. Thank you, David. Appreciate you uh, coming on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, you're listening to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda.
And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. I'm Steve Zaki, along with Jeff Orlowski, chatting racing in a little local slant this segment. As, uh, yes, it's been 30 years. What's been 30 years? It's been 30 years since Alan Kowicki's first victory. Wow. You, you don't remember that, do you? Uh, no, no. I was uh, just a young pup then. I was also a young pup, but not as young as you. It was the 1988 Checker 500. I thought it was Checker Checkers. I think Checker was a fuel, uh, uh, like a, a gas station chain out in south in the southwest back then. Didn't they have the green and white checkered flag? Something like that, yeah. I think so. Yeah. But uh, Al Kowicki, in, in my favorite of, of all of his uh, race cars, uh, the 87-88 Thunderbird, the Xerox sponsorship was was my favorite. I always thought that was aesthetically. And also, uh, for a period of time, many of my longtime friends will remember I had an 88 Ford Thunderbird also. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, but Alan Kowicki, yes, that was his, his first win. Actually, probably could have uh, won a race earlier at Pocono, but was taken out by Dale Earnhardt and uh, was very frustrated at that. We kind of, uh, fans of Alan Kowicki and those that knew him, uh, knew it was just a matter of time before he got that first win because I think at that time he had already won like five or six pole positions. Wow. So uh, when he won that race, it was pretty cool. Uh, passed uh, Terry Labonte late in the race to win. Uh, and for those keeping track, it was Alan Kowicki and the Xerox Ford Thunderbird winning. Uh, it was the inaugural race out at Phoenix, which I thought was pretty cool. I thought I always liked Phoenix as a track. That was kind of a cool. It was kind of quirky, as I've mentioned before. And unfortunately, NASCAR and the people that own it now have taken all the quirkiness out of Phoenix. So it looks just like another racetrack, but that's just my commentary. Uh, Terry Labonte. In the number 11, Budweiser, Monte Carlo, uh, uh, Junior Johnson car finished second. Davey Allison, of course, in the then it was Harry Rainier. Uh, Haviland, fourth Thunderbird was third. Of course, the great Bill Elliott, Coors, number nine. And Rusty Wallace in the Kodiak, though. Nice. Uh, uh, Kodiak, Pontiac Grand Prix was fifth. So a lot of memories there. Uh, unfortunately, one that, uh, a memory that comes to me a few weeks later, uh, we lost Norm Nelson. Uh, Norm Nelson, a great in the USAC uh, stock car ranks, died a, a couple weeks after uh, Allen's first win. And my father and I went to his funeral and uh, Jerry Kowicki, Allen's uh, father, was there. We spoke and uh, we talked to some people, and I remember we talked to Norm's uh, widow, Carolyn, at the race. And he, at that time, he, I think he, was, he passed away from complications of uh, emphysema, if I recall. And uh, but he he knew that Allen had won the race. He you know he was you know knew enough yeah. what was going on, and so he and he had known Allen since he was just a little kid. So I thought that was pretty cool that uh, Allen won the race while Norm was still around. He really appreciated that that. And he could kind of see that Alan was on his way. I thought that was really special. And Jerry Kowicki thought that was pretty special too. Uh, so I always remember that, you know. Yeah, so, absolutely. So it was uh, certainly a sad, sad um, event uh, when Norm Nelson passed away. But uh, with the with the knowledge of him knowing that he he knew that Alan had won his first NASCAR race, that was pretty pretty cool. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. 
Uh, just one correction, Steve. I while you were talking, I was looking up the uh, that Pocono race uh, with Kawicki, and uh, what I came across was that he wasn't taken out by Earnhardt, but it was Joey Logano that oh, took geez. out uh, Kawicki <laughs> in that race. So just you know, just so we've got our facts straight, Joey Logano. Took out Alan Kowicki at Pocono. And also, uh, last week, they had the South, the Southeast Eastern Wisconsin Short Track Hall of Fame had their 2018 inductions. And uh, I have not been able to make it there the last couple of years, though, and um, have been there before. It's a pretty pretty neat deal. Uh, this year, of course, they had uh, uh, radio personality Todd Bailey was inducted, who I mentioned earlier. Uh, Jerry Eckert, one of my favorite guys, uh, just is a short track icon and i've always when i mentioned you jerry eckert to anybody i i always use a caveat he's what's right in short track racing he's a guy that's been racing um since pretty much i've been alive uh and i guess he started racing out in columbus jefferson out in madison area and uh started to run late models in the 70s and always had an orange uh, number 61 and just has been racing for for years and uh, and to see him was, was still running this year and to, and to see him get his due he is deservedly uh uh, uh now a member of the uh southeast uh, wisconsin short track hall of fame howie leto uh another gentleman very well deserving just a, the the uh a crew chief but not only a crew chief but a mentor to many of the big giants in in auto racing today including jimmy johnson you, you if if you ever get a situation, talk to Jimmy Johnson, and you want to get his attention, mention uh, Howie Leto, and his ears will perk up, and he'll 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 chat. He'll talk to you about Howie Leto because he really respected and understand how important Howie Leto was in his development as a young driver transitioning to where he was from uh, uh, the desert and you know dirt tracks and whatnot to asphalt stock car racing. Very important. And uh, he also guided uh, a driver that's unfortunately uh, forgotten, Pat Shower, too. He was a, a Wisconsin driver who, who was unfortunately killed early on in 1981, I believe, uh, was on the verge of greatness. Uh, Ken Lund, of course, he helped. And of course, Ted Musgrave, too. Scott Hansen, too. Uh, when those two were hooked up, um, they, they just dominated uh, short track racing, including going out to uh, the Copper Classic out in Phoenix. And uh, just, I remember about 19, I think it was 93, uh, they had an ARCA race at Milwaukee, and Hanson uh, won the pole and just ran away with that thing. Nice. It, it, was, it, it was just, it, watching him going through the corners, and that car was so hooked up. It was like on a slot track. Uh, but Howie Leto was just uh, one of those guys that just really, really well-respected. Also, uh uh, Tony Raines, Kelly Byers, Travis Dassel, guys like that that are still around. Uh, and uh, Howie passed away in 2010 uh, at age 62, far, far too early. Uh, John McCarns is also inducted, one of the big guys, one of the behind-the-scenes type guys, uh, one of the great um, uh, promoters in that in, in racing in the area, and Larry Nineman, who unfortunately I don't really know him that well, but was a short track driver. Uh, very excellent. I remember reading a lot about him in Midwest Racing News when I was a kid. So very well deserved, and a tip of the hat to those guys. That's one hell of an induction class. Yeah, it really was, and it's a neat. If you get a chance, if you're in the Hartford area, 
it it it's at the museum out there right by uh what's the restaurant out in Hartford downtown Hartford um the mine shaft uh it's one block west and then you take a right and you'll see it right there it is a neat neat museum it's in the auto museum there and they have uh they also have a theater there that's attached to it i mean i think it's one of the best kept secrets in southeastern wisconsin it is such a nice facility that they have there and um it is very nice and they also the the museum has a car collection that is really um what i like about it it's got a lot of different cars in there you know you see a lot of museums and you kind of see it's like when if you go to a car show I mean, no offense if you have one, but if you have a 69 Camaro, 70 Chevelle, everybody's seen those cars. Yeah. You know, the Challengers and whatnot, you know, those are fine. Nothing wrong with it, but you've seen a lot of them. What's nice about this museum, it's got a lot of cars that are that were built in Wisconsin, so there's a lot of AMC stuff, but also uh, Hissel in that and another older manufacturer that were made in Wisconsin and a lot of other oddball kind of, kind of cars. I remember going in there, I think they have a... An Oldsmobile Omega. Nice. That's like mint. It's nice. like right off the showroom floor. You know, just a lot of oddball cars like that are that are in there. It's really, really cool. But highly recommend it. If you're out in the neighborhood, you have a chance, trust me, I you will enjoy yourself. And and the and the museum, the the history, the south the southeastern Wisconsin Short Track uh museum is really cool too. A lot of artifacts. They have cars in there. They have a couple of Robbie Risers cars in there now and they, they keep rotating the cars that are in and out so they do a really really nice job so make that's sure awesome. you get out there that's awesome look them up you can look look them up online at uh se wis short track hof so it's s e for southeast and then wisconsin wis or wi i should say because then it's short track and then hof.com yeah yeah that's awesome i, will, I posted it on a facebook site too well, and follow us on Facebook. Give us a like. There's tons of great content that goes up there pretty much daily. Uh, again, tip of the hat to you, Steve. You just do a phenomenal job on there. Hit us up on Twitter. We're at SFI1250 on Twitter. Give a like on there as well. Tons of great content, articles, pictures, anything that you can want. Uh, just fantastic. You can follow Steve Zaki at Steve Zaki, Z-A-U-T-K-E. I'm at Jeff underscore Orlowski, O-R-L-O-S-K-I. Steve's a lot more exciting than me. I don't post that much because uh, every time I post something, I get in trouble. So uh, I try not to post that often. <laughs> and uh, we'll be back after this and more on the Final Inspection Show. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Getting towards the end of the show here, so let's do our predictions. Uh, Dennis Michelson had Kevin Harvick as his winner of Phoenix tomorrow, so I'm going to go with I'm I'm going to do the same. I got to go with Harvick. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's he's definitely going to be motivated. David Land went with uh, Harvick too. 
Yeah, I'm going to be different. You know me, uh, but I'm still going to go with one of the one of the big three. But give me the 18. I picked him that's, last week. Yeah, he didn't have pitch, a great yeah. finish. Uh, I think he bounces back and and takes the checkered flag. I, you know, it's hard when when you're Kevin Harvick and you go from thinking that you're guaranteed a spot at, at Miami. And I know I've been saying he was four points to the good. He's only three points ahead of his teammate, Kurt Busch, uh, heading into Phoenix, which is a race that Harvick dominates. So, you know, uh, conventional wisdom says pick Harvick. I just want to, you know, I think that it's going to kind of create a little black cloud. And, yes, he's going to be motivated, but, you know, Kevin Harvick has made some un, you know, just he's made a lot of mistakes, uh, whether it's speeding on pit road. Yeah whether it's bad pit stops by his crew. You know, uh, as much as they have kind of dominated this season, and and not so much lately, but the beginning and the middle part of the season, he's kind of struggling right now. So, you know, I definitely think that he points his way through to Miami. But if Harvick gets into an accident in Stage 1, you could be looking at a, at a Miami final with no four-car racing for the championship. I don't see that happening. I don't see it either. You know, you he couldn't ask for a better track. Well, right. than Phoenix right, right now, and I think that's why I, I still think for my predictions. You know, I we said a couple shows ago. You know what I think what everybody wants and what the I think most of the fans would want and NASCAR would want would be the big three with uh, Chase Elliott. However, you know with the Logano situation, it it I think it's going to be the big three and Logano for your for your final four. Okay, I am going to switch mine up a little bit. You know, I think your race winner or your no, final four. The final four. I'm going to actually take out Martin Truex, even though he's in second going in, and he's got a decent. He's got a 22 point lead over fourth place Harvick right now. He's 25 to the good out of fifth place Kurt Busch. But I'm going to say that Kurt Busch sneaks in. And uh, Truex, Cole Pern, his crew chief came out uh, this week and said that, yes, it's a distraction with the team shutting its doors at the end of the season. And all that, he's kind of been struggling. Uh, so I I think that Truex has a rough day and kind of finds himself on the outside looking in. Yeah, I'm I'm a I'm an oddball kind of guy, and I was like numbers. I'm kind of a numbers guy, not numbers in a weird way. Like some people, like Carl Haas, was a numbers in a kind of a weird way. But I was number. It's a numbers thing. I know whatever. But so here you got Martin Truex, you know, defending champion, seventy eight, which not only in NASCAR, but I think in just in sports generally is not a number you see much unless you're an offensive lineman, basically. Uh, And that, and, 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 and and if, if it is, he's probably second string. There's not, (laughs) there weren't too many good number 78s out there. So 78, I think is like one, if you take for digits one through 99, 78, I think is in your bottom five. And so now he's going over to Joe Gibbs. What number is he in? 19. Which, is also a number that you just don't see too often. Now, yes, I know Robin Yount, Johnny Unitas, but how many quarterbacks 
in the NFL because quarterbacks can have one through 19. How many 19s are there? Not many. I can't think of any. In fact, off the top of my head, yeah. I'm trying to think the last 19 there was in in, in the NFL. It might have been college or something. I, I'm not thinking of it, but there's not too many 19s out there. So I just I just think that's funny that so you know he's going from 19 you know, from 78 to 19 and just for for if you're a numerologist or whatever it's it's just it's kind of weird that he's going in that direction it's just something that just kind of came to me but um yeah i still say you know i i just think the uh kyle kyle bush runs well here obviously at phoenix and you got kevin harvick of course dominating and and truex i i, I still think he can Yes, all the distractions and whatnot. But then again, he's basically going from, you know, I mean, they were affiliated with Joe Gibbs. So, I mean, if, if, if it just makes sense for him. And I think in some ways it, 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 it's, it's okay, it's a bad situation, but what's the best situation that could have occurred for him? Going to 19, I think. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, he's... Keeps his relationship with Toyota. Right. You know, it's not like he has to get used to the the feel of a new manufacturer or anything like that. And now like maybe that. he won't be treated and the team won't be treated like a redheaded stepchild like they have at times when Joe Gibbs, uh, you know, fining or, or suspending. Yep. He had, was that last? Was that? Last season, there yeah, was, you know, a little dust up on pit road. Yeah. And uh, and Gibbs was, was there to put his foot on the throat of the 78 team and said, know your role. And get back in line because we are the boss and you are the redheaded stepchild. So, yeah, it's good. I do kind of feel bad for Daniel Suarez. He was brought up, he was brought up too quick because of the retirement uh, of Carl Edwards. Uh, yes, he won the uh, the <clears throat> the Bush Series title, but he was supposed to go another season or so in in the Bush Series and then get brought up. But he because of the the surprise retirement of uh, of Smiley. Uh, Mr. White Tooth, you know, uh, Daniel <laughs> Suarez got pushed up a little I've, quicker than he should I've have. I've always considered Suarez a good driver, but not an exceptional driver. I don't think he, um, to be honest, I don't think he deserves to be in A equipment. Nothing against it. Fine, he was. You know, he was in A equipment. He could have shined a little bit better, but I don't think he's... Uh, I hate saying he's not Joe Gibbs material. I don't want to be, a, you know, rip on the kid, but I, I just think he's 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 a good driver, to you know, average to above average NASCAR driver, which there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, he's a very talented driver. I just don't think he's okay. Real quick, what? He, he's not he's not Christopher Bell. Right. Well, very few are. But that's, I mean, look right. at the people they got in the turn, you know, coming up. So, oh, I, mean, I know. If you, who are you going to have? Suarez or Christopher Bell? I'm going to have Christopher Bell. I mean, well, it's eight days a no week. brainer. Yeah. So, okay, real quick, and, and we're running out of time here, but uh, who in a non competitive car, what driver would you think could excel if he was in A equipment? Are you picking Timmy Hill? Oh, you mean <laughs> no? I mean, what driver in crappy equipment could you know elevate I mean, and become a household name if they were in stellar equipment? I, oh, I think Kyle Larson. I think mean, I think Kyle Larson is in. We thought Ganassi was going to be an A car, but I think at best has been a B plus. Yeah, but I think most of the rate at most of the tracks that's a B car. 
maybe even B minus. Yeah, and, and maybe even C plus at times. Well, absolutely, or worse. And you know, uh, I could definitely make the argument that nobody had a more disappointing season than Kyle Larson. And I like to see Bob. I would like love to see Bubba Wallace in like a Hendrick car or something. Me too. You know, if you know, if I, it's not going to happen, but let's you know. And then plus, these guys don't get hurt anymore. But there are times these guys would get hurt and somebody would get moved up or somebody would have a shot in a car. You don't see that anymore, but it would be kind of neat to see a couple of these guys. You know, like, you know, I like to see Bubba Wallace run in the, let's say, some, you know, not wishing any will to Jimmy Johnson, but, you know, let's say Jimmy Johnson has, has to get an appendectomy or something. I don't know if he has to get sit right. out of the car and they put in Bubba Wallace. I would, you know, that'd be something that, hey, that would definitely pique my interest. Well, let's see what Bubba can do in the 48 car or something like that. So. In good equipment with his personality. You know, those uh, those Periscope videos that he does yeah. after the race, you know, the kid could be a superstar. But in order for him to become that, he has to compete for top tens. And being in the petty car, there's just no, no shot. And I feel He's bad. He's a heck of a drummer, too. Yeah, he is. I've, <laughs> I've seen some of them videos. Yeah. I've seen some of those videos. And he likes metal. Well, you know, he's not perfect. Oh, that, that, <laughs> that makes him perfect, brother. Thank you for listening to the Final Inspection Show, and we also would like to thank Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda for supporting the show. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.